Good morning. You always love, and I love Jason. He's done such a great job when he says, Rick actually has been doing such a great job on this Greater Than series. But this morning, Chris Hatchett's going to talk. You know, you got to love that, uh, that introduction. I'm just teasing Jason. Uh, it is good to be back with you today. I am blessed to be able to speak in this Greater Than series because I, like you, have been richly blessed by Rick's preaching in this series. I think it's been some of his best preaching, and I've been listening to him for 25 years and uh, just know he keeps getting better. But this morning, he's in Abilene. He's actually preaching in Merkel, Texas, and uh, allowed me to teach today. And he and I have spent a lot of time together talking about this series. And I know a few weeks ago, he did a lesson called Greater Than Your Past. And then this morning, I'm going to do a lesson called Greater Than Your Legacy. And it may seem that those two things are a lot alike, except it seems like to me the distinguishing factor is our past are some things that we have made decisions that have cost us or that maybe we regret, while your legacy is things that have been passed down to you from your family that maybe, quite frankly, you had no control over. Like this family that I was reading about that wanted to do their genealogy and they were doing like many of you have done and traced their family tree and wanted to do a book that they could pass down for generations. And everything was going well as they were compiling all this information until they got to their great uncle Clarence. And they wanted to keep him in the legacy, but when they got to his story, they realized that he had actually committed murder. And sadly was electrocuted for that death in the electric chair. But they were faced with this quandary of, well, we want to announce him, but we don't really want this in our genealogy. And so they went to their person that was compiling the book. He said, I've got an idea. Let me write it. And this is how the book read. Great uncle Clarence occupied a chair of applied electronics (laughs) at an important government institution. He was attached to his position by the strongest of ties, and his death came as a great shock. (laughs) You see, you may face a lot of that quandary that that family did, that there's this legacy of yours that has so much good in it that you'd like to hold on to, but it's got some bad in it that maybe you'd like to forget or you'd like to walk away from. And when I think of legacy, I think of the legacy of one of my favorite Bible characters of Joseph. You read about Joseph in the latter chapters of Genesis. But Joseph, if you think of his legacy, his great-grandfather was Abraham. His grandfather was Isaac. His father was Jacob. And when you hear those names, you think of great men of faith. I think of altars and sacrifices, wrestling with God. In fact, Jacob, his father, the entire nation of Israel was named after him. And you think of that great legacy. But yet if you read the full story, when you hear those men's names, you also think of deception and lies and favoritism and sibling rivalry. And so on one side of this legacy, you have 
great things and on this other side you have things that you don't want and that's where I find myself often. And then Joseph specifically, when you think of his life, had brothers that hated him. Brothers that sold him into slavery and lied to their father about it. From this slavery, he starts to overcome and finds a new position and then is accused of rape by his boss's wife and he's thrown into prison. And I can only imagine as he's in prison, the time he had to think about his legacy and how much he despised it. So one of the words that I have for you, if you can relate to Joseph, is that God is greater than your legacy if you loathe it. If you loathe your legacy, if, if there's things in your past that you just do not want, God's greater than that legacy. You know, I spend a lot of time with young guys from my youth ministry now to working with young couples, and I've heard it more than once. Guys that talk about, you know, my grandfather had an affair and cheated on my grandmother. My father had an affair and cheated on my mom. And Chris, I don't want to cheat on my wife. Or maybe it's been divorce and they don't want to repeat that. They don't want that part of their legacy. And I can relate because while there's much of my legacy from my family that I love, I have a legacy in my life that I'd love to be without and that's a legacy of the misuse of alcohol. I can remember as a young child playing golf with my grandfather and this was, this'll date me a little bit. Guys, y'all have no clue of what I'm about to talk about. There used to be Coke machines where you could see the bottles and you put in a quarter and you pulled out a bottle and actually it was a glass bottle. And my grandfather at the end of the round would get us both a Pepsi and he'd hand it to me. And one day I'd sitting in the car and I was going, where's granddad? And I get up and I look at the back of the car and I'm watching him pour half of his Pepsi on the ground and filling it back up with another bottle that's in his trunk. And then driving me home. It wasn't until later I went, oh, I know what he was pouring in that bottle. And one time when I was a freshman in high school was with my cousin and he had made some bad decisions and he came back intoxicated. And I had this policy that I still have with my kids. I came in every night and I kissed my mom because I wanted her to know that I hadn't done anything that I was ashamed of. So I came in and I kissed my mom and my dad was in bed and he said, did you drink tonight? I said, dad, I don't drink. I wouldn't like the taste of it. And he goes, that's all right. You'll acquire a taste. And that's my legacy. It's just normal that you drink and you drink to excess. And I've got to tell you because of one night that my dad came in the house and had drank too much. And I can vividly remember it as a fifth grader that I promised my mom, mom, I will never drink. That's my legacy. And I don't want it. It's a legacy that whenever we go to family reunions that my kids have to see aunts and uncles drunk. And I have to explain to them what's going on. And there's other parts of my legacy that I don't like. 
Hatchets are well known for their tempers, for a lack of patience. And I don't know if that's your family that something's done, you go, oh, that's all right, that's just how we are. Well, if you loathe your legacy, God is greater than it. You see, that's my legacy, but I'm not bound by it. I don't have to live by that. And when we look at Joseph's life in Genesis, we see this wording from him at the end when his brothers have to come to him for help and they don't know that it's him. And finally, he reveals himself to him and he says this in Genesis chapter 45. I'm going to start reading in verse 8. I'm sorry, in verse 5. And now, do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there has been famine in the land and for the next five years, there will not be plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then it was not you who sent me here, but God. You see... While Joseph couldn't, couldn't choose his legacy, he could choose his focus. And that's the one thing that I want you to know today. You can't choose who your grandparents are or who your parents are, but you can choose what you're going to focus on. I've talked a lot with Larry Calvin about this, and, and I asked him the question once. I said, Larry, how come kids that are abused become abusers? How come we see this cycle in our families of things we don't want and then we repeat them? And he used a food analogy with me, probably because he knew that would click with me. I'm just guessing. He said, Chris, he said, it's just like you're on a diet and you walk into a room and there's a chocolate cake and you spend your time saying, I'm not going to eat that cake. I'm not going to eat that cake. I'm not going to eat that cake. He said, but what your focus is The entire time you're saying you're not going to do it, your focus is on the cake. He said, what are you going to eventually do? Eat the cake. And you see, I think so many of us, we spend our lives focusing on what we're not going to be. We don't want to be like our dad. We don't want to be like our mom. We don't want this in our life. And we spend so much time focusing on it, we repeat it. And so choose your focus. See, as I told you, my focus was not that I don't want to be like my dad. My focus was a promise that I made to my mom. And now I made that promise at 10 years old and at almost 45 years old, it's still a promise. My dad, even about a month ago, was pouring himself a drink and he asked me if I want a drink. And I said, dad, you know, I don't drink. He goes, oh, I forgot. And I said, I made a promise to mom 35 years ago, and I'm going to hold to that promise. Now, if you'll give me just a second to meddle, those of you that know me well know I don't mind doing that. Alcohol is a part of my legacy that I don't want. And I don't know about your legacy, and I don't know where you are, but I know in all the ministry that I do with families, there is so much heartache that's caused by the misuse of alcohol. And I'd like to ask you if that is you and you feel like even right now as I'm saying this, you're getting defensive. I'd like to ask you, is it really worth it? 
Is it really worth the risk? Because I'm not talking about your rights. Okay, I'm not going to stand up here in scripture and say it's against scripture to drink. I'm just going to say I see it cause a lot of damage. And I'm with couple after couple that it's their legacy and they've repeated it and they're picking up the pieces. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul says, all things are permissible for me, but they're not beneficial. And so I'd ask you, is your right to have this in your life worth the risk that it would put your family or your marriage or your kids through? And again, I understand this is part of my legacy. I'm not trying to make it your problem, but it's, it's so close to my heart because of that. And so choose your focus. That verse that I read of Joseph in the contemporary English version says this, after all, you weren't really the ones who sent me. It was God. That's a great focus. God is greater than the legacy because it's really not you that did this. God was working in my life and God can work in our life to impact generations to come. Another thing I feel like I need to address here is what we call the generational curse. Is this idea from Exodus chapter 20 in the Ten Commandments where God said that those that disobey me, I will punish their children to the third and the fourth generations. And so there's many people in our pews that even live this type of life that they think, well, because of my mistakes, my kids are going to be punished. Or this legacy that I don't like in my life, I'm being punished for mistakes my parents or my grandparents made. And if you look closer at that verse, God says, I'll do that for third or fourth generations for those who hate me. But for those that love me, I'll bless generations. And so if you're living under this fear that God is going to punish your children or your grandchildren for a mistake you made when you were a teenager, I want to release you from that today. I don't believe in that God. In Ezekiel chapter 18, we read, you may wonder why a son isn't punished for the sins of his father. It is because the son does what is right and obeys my laws. Children won't suffer for the sins of their parents and parents won't suffer for the sins of their children. You see, it's a fact of life that the mistakes we make and the decisions we make, our children may suffer consequences for. There's consequences when adultery is in a marriage or there's consequences with alcoholism or abuse. There's tremors that will rattle but I don't believe that because of something that I did when I was a teenager, God's going, I'm going to punish Carly and Colby and Caleb for that. And I'm not belittling your legacy and the pain that may have been caused or the consequences caused by that. But I want you to know that if you loathe your legacy, God is greater. God is greater. But he's also greater than your legacy if you love it if you love it. You see, as I started developing this sermon, I planned on just spending all my time on having a legacy that you didn't want and being free from that legacy. And I truly felt the spirit leading me to tell you today, but God is still greater even if you have a great legacy. Because you see, those great legacies, 
that we can hold on to, a legacy of family that, you know, those are family traditions and these strong uh, patriarchal families that we hold on to and we cling to our grandparents and our parents. Or maybe it's even a college or it's an education. Well, don't you know where I was educated? Yesterday when I went to Abilene Christian for homecoming, a man told me, well, my family's been coming here for 70 years. And that's great. But God is greater than that. My kids used to, when they were little and they'd do something, they'd come home and say, well, this happened or somebody did this. I'd say, did you not tell them who your father was? You know, even that legacy, God is greater than. And now this is going to come strange to you from a minister, but even this church and the great legacy of this church from charter members and from the other buildings that we lived in, I'm thankful for that legacy, but God's got to be greater than that legacy. If we find ourselves sitting around going, but I go to the hills, don't you know what that means? Anytime we decide to puff out our chest and that be what we brag about, we're going to have trouble. And we can learn from Paul in Philippians 3, who said, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. I was circumcised when I was eight years, eight days old. I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. You see, Paul's giving us his legacy. Don't you understand? This is where I went to church and these were my parents and this is who I am. But he had a perspective change. And continuing in that verse, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I've discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. See, all of these things that I've talked about already, your family or your education or your college and even our church, those in themselves are not bad. I'm not saying that, but they can't take the place of Jesus Christ in our life. We have to be just like Paul that said, all of these things, I had to consider them as worthless compared to knowing Christ. Compared to knowing Christ, because all of these things, our family, our college, our education, our church, they're all going to pass away. They're all going to fade away. But Jesus won't. And that's where we place our pride. In the message, just a paraphrase of that same verse reads this way. The very credentials these people are waving around as something special. I'm tearing them up and I'm throwing them out with the trash along with everything else I used to take credit for. And why? Because of Christ. Yes, all these things I once thought were so important are gone from my life. Compared to the high privilege of knowing Christ Jesus as my master firsthand, everything I once thought I had going for me is insignificant, dog dung, 
I've dumped it all in the trash so that I could embrace Christ and be embraced by him. And so today I would ask you, are we guilty of loving something else more than we love Jesus Christ? Are we guilty of putting our faith in our family or in our church more than we are of putting our faith in Jesus Christ? Jeremiah tells us this in chapter nine, verse 23. This is what the Lord says. Let not the wise man boast of his wisdom or the strong man boast of his strength or the rich man boast of his riches. But let him who boasts boast about this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For in these I delight, declare the Lord. And so this morning, whether you loathe your legacy or you love your legacy, God is greater than it. And whether you love it or whether you loathe it, the advice of what we need is the same. And Paul continues in Philippians 3 by saying this, Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. How do we deal with our legacy if we love it or if we despise it? We forget what's over our shoulder and we press on. We press on. Because you see, the third point that I have for you this morning is that God is greater than your legacy as you leave it. And I want to be sure that I'm not confusing you here because I've just said, if you don't like your legacy, you can overcome it. You're not bound by it. God is greater than it. And at the same time, if you love your legacy, that's good, but don't let it take the place of Christ in your life. And now I'm coming along and I'm saying, but you're leaving a legacy. And that's just a fact. If you have children, you have family members, you have employees, you're leaving a legacy. Robert E. Lee had an eight-year-old son named Custis. One morning they were going out for a walk and it was snowing. And as they walked along, the drifts got higher and higher. And Lee was looking around, he couldn't find his son and he looked behind him and he was trailing behind him and he was stepping in his father's steps as he walked through the snow. And Lee told one of his friends this, when I saw this, I said to myself, it behooves me to walk very straight when this fellow is already following in my tracks. And so God has to be greater as you leave that legacy, let it be about him. Proverbs 20 verse seven says, the godly walk with integrity. Blessed are the children who follow them. And so I ask you today, as you leave your legacy, as you walk away from one that has held you back, or as you walk with one that you love, where are your footsteps gonna lead? What is your legacy? A few years ago, I came by a quote from Joe White. And I took his quote and I personalized it and I put it on my computer. And this was my call of what I want my legacy to be. More than anything else, I want Carly, Colby, and Caleb to see a father whose number one goal is to love God with all of his heart. 
I want them to see in me the ability to ask for forgiveness and to get back up after I've fallen on my face in failure, which I seem to do quite regularly. I want them to see that integrity is more important than making a dime or a dollar. I want them to see me treating my body with purity, diligently training it for the awesome responsibility of being a temple of the Holy Spirit. Finally, I want them to see how their very average dad loves their very priceless mother with uncompromising dedication and that he would walk around this planet to convince his children how precious each one of them is. And I want that to be my legacy. You see, I long for the day when my kids can go to a family reunion and not see family members intoxicated. But that can't be my driving factor. My driving factor has to be, I want my legacy to be a father or a grandfather that led his children and grandchildren closer to the cross of Jesus. And as you deal with that, as you decide to leave your legacy one that leads them to Christ, you have to embrace the fact that Christ is doing a powerful thing in you. Because I know what some of you are thinking. You're going, Chris, if you knew my legacy, if you knew who I was, if you knew who I am, I can't do that. And I want to tell you this morning, that's a lie from Satan. And I want you to read what God says in Isaiah chapter 43, verse 18, where he says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? See, God is doing amazing things here. He's doing amazing things in your life. And you're not bound by the past any longer, but you're a new creation in Jesus Christ and he can do all things through you. You can leave a legacy that leads to him. But you see, so often it just seems like we're fine just living the beat down existence that we're just barely saved. And I know you've heard this from me before, but James Bryan Smith in his book, The Good and Beautiful God, talks about that when people say, well, I'm, I'm just a sinner, just saved by grace, but I'm just a sinner. And it's like we're barely squeaking by, we're barely gonna get into heaven, we're barely have any say in the kingdom of God, and that's a lie. And James Bryan Smith likens it to the metamorphosis that happens when a caterpillar goes in the cocoon and comes out this gorgeous butterfly and that this butterfly is flying around and someone sees it and says, oh, you're such a beautiful butterfly. And he says, no, I'm just a worm with wings. You see, that's ludicrous, but that's how we live our lives. And Jesus says, I gave my life for you. And if you've put your faith in me, you're a new person. I know that's hard for us. I've got a friend, he's one of my best friends that has a legacy that he would like to leave behind. And he has a past that he would like to leave behind. He made some horrible mistakes. And his legacy has the misuse of alcohol and violence and prison and all these type things in it. But, but he is a new creation in Christ. And the other day we were talking about something that was a struggle in his life. And he said, if that happens, you're going to have to be there because the old me is going to come up. 
And I got in his face and I said, no, it will not because the old me is crucified. It no longer lives. And you need to know that that is your legacy too. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 17 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. And so as we leave that legacy, as we look at our own and we loathe it or we love it, but as we leave our legacy, may it be a legacy that leads people to the cross of Jesus Christ. May it be as they follow our footsteps, they look up and they don't see us and they don't see something in us they want to hold on to, but they see Jesus Christ in us. The old has gone, the new has come. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you love us so much, God. And we thank you that even as we think about our family and the the things that have been left, there's some of us, God, that, that want nothing to do with our legacy. And there's others, God, that that love it. And it's been a legacy of faith. And God, I pray that uh, if that's us, that we hold on to that faith. God, there may be some like me that love parts of my legacy and, and want that, and there's other parts they want to walk away from. God, help all of us make you our focus. Help all of us, God, to have that priority check to see if we're placing anything else before you. And God, remind us this morning that you're greater. You're greater. We're not serving family. We're not serving past. We're not serving future, God. We're serving you and you are greater. And we thank you and praise you for that. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. If you would, please stand with me. We're going to sing a song. And as we do this, I hope that that you're reminded of whatever God needed to speak to you today. But especially today, if during this time you're ready to be a new creation, you want to put on Jesus Christ, I know there's several that are ready to do that today. If you'd like to join them, please come forward while we sing this song.